Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry. So it's Stuff You Should Know. How's it going? <clears throat> it's going okay. <clears throat> I'm, like, I'm like a little congested. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm not sick. I'm just congested. You never admit when you're sick anyway, so who would know? I'm not, though. Look, <laughs> I've I'm, I'm got like tons of energy. Look. Well, I had that weird cough for uh, like three weeks when I got back from Oklahoma. It was very weird. And it wasn't like I was never sick. It was just, I think it was post-nasal drip. Oh, really? Maybe from allergies or something. I don't know. Maybe. It was weird. I just couldn't kick it. But I've kicked it. That's great. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I hope you feel better, even though you're not sick. Thanks, man. Sure. I'm not sick. I don't know. Because... <clears throat> If you were sick, you could possibly die and donate your body to science. That's definitely true. I could, and I may. I probably will. Yeah, when we did the organ donation podcast uh, quite a number of years ago, this came up, and I think we may have even said, let's do one on donating your whole body. And Here it is. Years later, promised. I can tell you that Yumi most decidedly wants to donate her body to science. Yeah, I think I do, too. Yeah, it's it seems like a pretty great thing to do. Agreed. Um Especially if by the time we all kick the bucket, um, they have a regulatory body overseeing this. Uh, might be nice. It would be nice. It'd make me feel a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do point out in the article, like, the, the thought of some people are just turned off by the thought of your body being cut up. Um, I don't care. No, I think that that is w- the first mental hurdle that you have to go past to, yeah. to say, I think I will donate my body to science. People are going to be pouring over every part of your body naked while you're dead on a table. And that's before they cut you open, pull everything out, cut your hand off, your feet, your head, all that stuff. Yeah, I think I would... Uh I wonder if you can have a stipulation like to be covered and like have my privates covered. I'd have, <laughs> no. I'd have a Merkin stipulation. <laughs> That's not bad. You're like, I have a sock clause. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other hurdle is, uh, and I never really thought about this was people just thinking about like jerk medical students, like joking around and stuff. Yeah. So apparently that, dead body. that would be an enormous, at least like, Doing it for the class. It's an ethical breach. From what I understand, it would be a very, it's, that's very taboo. Yeah. This and, is taken very seriously. Yeah, it's in very poor taste. Yeah. Um, and so if you say donate your body to a university and it ends up being used for anatomical study among, um, gross anatomy students, right? Yeah. Um, probably they're going to know your name. Mm-hmm. They're going to know how you died. Mm-hmm. They're going to refer to you and talk to you by your name. So you will be a person to them. You're not just a cadaver. You're not just a lump of meat. Yeah, it sounds like they go out of their way to be very respectful of the the what you've done for them. Right. They're tr- they're taught to. The 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 instructors set that example. Um I read about one at I can't remember the university. It's on the there's a link to it on the podcast page where um the instructor uh hold they they make like a, a very big point of pointing out that this is a gift. This person gave you, medical student, yeah. the gift of their cadaver so that you can become a good doctor and save other people's lives. And make money. This is a huge gift, and it's to be treated with respect. Yeah, totally. And also, frequently, most of these programs hold some sort of annual ceremony to kind of thank 
all of the people who um, just to honor them. Yeah, for, the, for, for the, the cadaver ball. Exactly. <laughs> the dead man's dance. Yeah, it's pretty great. People get loaded. And- <laughs> <laughs> Can't find a date? No problem. <laughs> so um, it, once you get past that hurdle, the, the idea of being poked and prodded and, and looked at by medical students, uh, there is another hurdle that people face too, uh, well, religious types at least, that your some religions um, prohibit this kind of thing. Who do you know? Uh, well, uh, Islam. Okay. Outright says no, you can't do that. Like the body is not to be cut up or dissected or messed with after death. But they said organ donations okay. And that- I didn't see that. That was uh, okay. really under Sharia law. It doesn't look like you're supposed to do anything to the dead body except take care of it. Okay. I think that the stuff varies, though. I guess religion. the thing I what I ran across said, like, no, yeah. you can't you definitely can't donate your body. It didn't say anything about donating organs. But from the context, it would seem like organ donation would be a no, no as well. Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Very famously, do not accept or donate blood transfusions. Yeah. Or any parts of blood. Yeah. Um, they consider that blood is um, basically life is a gift from God and mm. you are not to be messing with it with blood. But if all of the blood is removed from the body to prevent it from being used for transfusions, mm-hmm. that body is A-OK to go to be donated to, um, say, like a, a, a medical school as far as Jehovah's Witnesses are concerned. That's right. Most other religions are like, do it. Why would you not? Yeah, and I love how this article says Baptist. They break it down to like... I think the author may have been Baptist. You think? That's why I took... Because it's weird just yeah. not to say Christianity as a whole and to break it down into denominations. Right. Because he said Baptist. And Catholics. Say it's an act of charity. I've never heard that. I grew up Baptist. Oh, well, maybe you missed that Sunday. No, I didn't miss any Sundays, my friend. <laughs> you didn't? Nope. Uh, there aren't any like hard and fast statistics because um, body donations can be donated to uh, medical universities and colleges, to the U.S. government, well, wait, to wait. private firms. Who cares what it's donated to? Surely there is a central authority that all cadaver donations go through. No. Isn't that nuts? I don't think so. It's totally nuts, man. Think about it. Organ donation, heavily regulated. Lots of oversight. No money is exchanging hands. Or if it is, it's like just the bare minimum. There's no free market associated with this whatsoever. And... Everything goes through the central authority. There's, at least on paper, yeah. there's a group that knows everything that's going on, every organ that's being transplanted, right? Yeah. Makes total sense. But when you talk about like bones, tendons, eyeballs, I don't know if those are organ donation or not, but whole bodies, this stuff is, it's, it's wrong to say that there is no regulation or oversight. There is. It's just not. Anywhere near as strict as organ donation. It's not taken nearly as seriously. Well, I I have a real problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I think the reason why is because organ donations are being used to put into other people. You're not taking a a whole body donated to science. It's only for (laughs) cadaver purposes. That is not true. What were they? They actually use parts on other people? Like what? Like bones, ligaments. Tendons, oh, muscles. but not like any sort of tissue or organ. Like from a cadaver? Yeah. No, not the organ itself, but they are taking 
st- like like say uh, a bone yeah. from you, the dead guy who who donated your body, yeah. it might end up in a living recipient. And I, you may be like totally fine with that. That's yeah. cool, right? I, I want to help somebody. I didn't think I'd be able to donate my organs. Yeah. Uh, which is something we'll talk about later. So that's great. That's helping them out. My problem with it is, is somebody may have profited from your donation. And I, that's where my problem comes from. I think donating your body to science or for reuse in some way, shape, or yeah. form is going to help other people is wonderful. But the fact that there is a, and there is not enough oversight or regulation and that there is a free market that's associated with this because yeah. you it's illegal to sell a body part but you could say charge a handling fee and they frequently do yeah it leads to this free market in body parts that but that starts out as a, a an act of love a gift a donation and then somewhere down the line somebody can profit from that that's horrible but and there is handling like Transporting a body isn't free. No, Someone there has isn't. To pay for that. There isn't. It's true. So this oh, this oversight committee or this this government agency yeah. should say, "Here's how much it costs. We know how much an airline charges. We know we know how much it costs to ship a body. We know how much it get costs to take a piece of bone, a femur from somebody, and then transport it somewhere else." Right? Yeah. And if it's and U.S. government, how much it'll be eighty thousand dollars for a bone. I, I totally disagree with that. I mean, that's think about organ procurement. Like nobody's like, there's a free gray market that's growing up over organ procurement. That's not what happens in this country. But when it comes to tissue and stuff like that, it's a problem. Yeah. And it also, here's the other thing, Chuck. It doesn't just affect donors. It affects people who haven't donated their body because year after year after year, some news article comes up where some crematorium has been stealing body parts oh, yeah. and selling them in this gray market. Yeah. Same is true for organs, though. There's a black market. Yeah, it is true. I, I just have the impression that it's, it's much harder to do with organ procurement than it is with tissue. And and tissue, like a whole body donation, is yeah. considered tissue. So, sorry about that. That's right. So, I think the sentence I was about to finish was, <laughs> there are somewhere around 20,000 whole bodies donated per year, uh, they think. In the U.S., right? Yeah, but that's, like I said, uh, not an exact number because, like you said, there is no U.S. government body watching all this. Yeah, And so 20,000 sounds like a pretty decent amount, right? Apparently, Not enough. No. Apparently, there is a real um, dearth of, of cadavers. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize you can really donate your whole body, and probably... The idea seems a little daunting or weird or whatever. So my hope is that just from us talking about this, uh, more people will come to see it as something that's totally doable. Oh, yeah. Because from what I ran across, it really is. Totally doable? Totally doable. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll take a break here. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit about the history of whole body donation. All right, let's go back to the 19th century, early 19th century, and uh, in Breton, they're using animals a lot of times, uh, or criminals, um, dead bodies of people that have been hanged. 
Well, yeah, that was the only way that you could get your hands on a cadaver as a medical school was if it was the body of a uh, an executed criminal. That's right. That was it. Or it's a pig or, you know, some other animal. Right. And a pig, great. Pig's it's very pig. satisfying to cut into a pig with a scalpel. <laughs> Everybody knows that. But you're not going to learn as much about the human body from cutting open a pig as you would from cutting open a human body. No. So uh, they decided they needed more bodies because the... Um, uh, capital crimes had had dropped, and so grave robbing uh, became a common practice, and uh, it still is a common practice. Well, I don't know about common, but it still happens in some parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, back then, they were called resurrectionists, <laughs> and um, a lot of times it was uh, uh, slaves that were being uh, having their graves robbed. Yeah, did you read that Smithsonian article I sent you? Yeah, I read that one, and uh, there's a documentary out, too, uh, made by Dr. Sean Utzi of uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. Mm -hmm. Go Rams. Called uh, Until the Well Runs Dry, Medicine and the Exploitation of Black Bodies. And in it, he talks about um, someone named Chris Baker, who was a famous resurrectionist Mm -hmm. in Virginia, who would rob slave graves basically and it, and it was robbing but it, they they still it wasn't a crime because slaves had no rights even after death right and apparently they would employ slaves to do this because slaves couldn't be arrested for grave robbing slaves graves somehow at least in Georgia well yeah cuz you sent this other case of uh what was his name Grandison Harris yeah he he was uh medical college of Georgia in Augusta then they discovered in 1989 in one of the old buildings a bunch, Do you remember of, that? bunch of bones. No. Remember when that happened? I was in high school, dude. I didn't watch the news. Yeah. <laughs> Were you like a 10th grader watching the, the I news? I was like 8th eighth, eighth to ninth grade. Yeah. I just remember I was like, what? Because when they found all these bones, they were like, what is going on here? Oh, yeah. And then they figured out, oh, these were old anatomical specimens that had been robbed from the grave. Yeah, apparently he was employed because he was huge and strong. Yeah. And he could rob a grave by himself. Yeah. uh, Which usually needed a few people to rob a grave. Uh, But he was an efficient grave robbing machine and uh, made a lot of money and educated himself and rose up somewhat in white society, but was not really accepted by either uh, whites or blacks. Yeah. He, he, uh, the Smithsonian article puts it, he occupied a liminal place between black and white society. He was shunned by everybody, but yeah. also grudgingly respected and feared. Yeah. Just a neat article. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and this Chris Baker, apparently, uh, Dr. Sean Utzi says, uh, along with things like the Tuskegee experiments, he says that he thinks that medical colleges accepting grave robbed bodies is uh, of slaves is one of the reasons he says that uh, some African Americans today have like lingering suspicions about doctors in general. Oh, really? Yeah, makes sense. Um, and he says that that's a big reason that he feels like black people die more of preventable disease because of a fear of doctors. Yeah, or maybe a mistrust um, of doctors after things like the Tuskegee experiments and grave robbing of uh, slave graves. Gotcha. So it sort of makes sense. So pretty interesting. Uh, he's the uh, professor of, uh, I think, the head of African-American studies at uh, UVA. Or not UVA, but Virginia Commonwealth, VCU. So grave robbing became very, very widespread, not just in the UK, but also in America. And I think you said around the world, right? Yeah, and just deals being like, if you ever watch the Nick, like the, the police make deals with the hospital 
Like they find a body, they get a little money on the side. Right. It was just basically, how, how can we get our hands on a body? Exactly. And finally, people figured out like, oh, well, this, this prohibition on dissecting human bodies is leading to grave robbing, which now that we compared the two side by side, grave robbing is way worse. Sure. So, um, let's just make it if, uh, if somebody wants to donate their body or, uh, we can let that happen. And that's, that change happened. Let's set up a government branch to screw it up. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It, I, 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 yeah. I don't know, man. Just for me personally, I just don't trust our government to handle something as nuanced and delicate as a part of the end of life industry. I just think it would be a typical inefficient bureaucratic nightmare. And that's the last thing people need when they're dealing with like the death of a family member. That's just me. I think the organ procurement system network in yeah. place now is a sterling example of what could be done. It's great. Yeah, I don't know too much about the financials behind it. Well, that's the thing. Like, I agree with you. It does cost a certain amount of money to yeah. operate. But then you could have not-for-profit businesses running these things. Right? So an, yeah. a, 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 a not-for-profit business still ma- creates income. Yeah. But that goes into the business. It doesn't enrich shareholders or anything like that, right? Yeah. Uh, there's so with for-profit companies, and there are. I'm not slamming all for-profit companies. There are for-profit uh, body donation companies out there that are great. Yeah. Right. But I'm just saying that the the fact that that is allowed to me allows this free market in body parts that I don't think should exist. Uh, there is not one process because there is not one governing body. So <laughs> it depends on who you're dealing with. Um. If it's a medical school, uh, that's a good option. Could be a government agency, could be a private group, like you were talking about. Yep. But what you're going to start out doing is filling out a lot of paperwork. Uh, you need to make sure your family knows and is on board. And that's step one. Be in your will, and uh, everyone's cool with all this. Yeah, because uh, if you go on the Mayo Clinic website and look how to donate your body, one of the things they say is, if your next of kin opposes it, we're not going to accept your body. Well, it's just too much of a headache. Well, plus also, I think they want to, like, they don't want this to be, um, a, a traumatic experience. They, they want it, it's supposed to be a gift. Yeah. You know, it, this donation of your whole body is supposed to be a gift. It's not, not supposed to put your next of kin through hell. No. And know? they don't want a headache. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Man. Uh, once you die, you, uh, are not guaranteed, even if you want to donate your body, Mm-mm. that you can have your body donated. No. You need to be in decent shape. There uh, there's a, a lot of disease yeah. and things that they won't accept. Uh, HIV 1 or 2, uh, AIDS, uh, related deaths, Hep B or C, syphilis, kidney failure, jaundice, uh, viral infections, bacterial infections, extensive trauma. Yeah, uh, you can't be severely burned. They want you to be like basically a typical human being. Yeah, you can't be too overweight. No, that's a that's a big one. Yeah. Um, y- some places uh, will only accept people up to like 170, 180, 190 pounds. Yeah, for um, practical reasons. Yeah, embalming adds about 100 pounds to you. Yeah, and they're going to have to move you around if you're sure. in a, an anatomy lab for a year. Some attendants are going to have to move you on and off gurneys and out, in and out of the freezer for a whole year. Yeah. And they don't want to deal with a 400-pound cadaver when they can deal with 250-pound cadavers. Yeah, they also want to be able to 
find your organs very easily and not have to wade through lots of tissue. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So if you want to, if you're very serious about donating your body after death, you want to, that's a good reason to take care of yourself yeah. while you're alive. <laughs> it Also, and you can help this much less, but if you're emaciated, grossly emaciated, um, you probably are not going to have your body accepted. Yeah. Um, and this brings up a really important point. If your body is going to be rejected, which it very easily can be, um, you need to have a plan in place for the disposition of your body should it come back to your family. Or more likely, they're not going to ship it and the place isn't going to just send it back. But they're, they're going to call the place yeah. and the place is going to be like, we can't use, you know, your relative. Right. And now you are, your family's stuck with your dead body, which is not a situation you want to put your family in. Yeah, I would, oh God, I would hope that most people would think like, if this doesn't happen, then we can just cremate. Well, the thing- And they wouldn't be like, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like a sitcom. Yeah. Well, you could listen to our podcast, Things to Do with the Dead Body. Right. Oh, I'm glad you bring that up because the Mayo Clinic um, uses uh, alkali. What is it? Alkaline hydrolysis. Oh, really? The one that turns you into goo. Oh, nice. That's how they get rid of bodies. Hmm. Uh, well, one positive thing. Well, actually, let's take another break here. Oh, okay. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, pros and cons of doing this right after this. <laughs> So, Chuck, there were a couple more things. Like it, uh, you were you were talking about the steps to donating your body, right? Yes. And they they might not take you. Yeah. If if they do take you, um, there, it depends on what uh, organization or company that you go with, right? That's right. One of the great things about a for profit company is your family. If you're accepted, and you probably will be accepted, they usually have the um, not the lowest standards, but the the uh, the the most leeway in accepting bodies. Well, yeah, you can with the free market, you can shop around. Okay, um, see see who you feel most comfortable with. They are also the ones who are the least likely to um, put any costs onto your family. Right, so they will right. pay for things like transportation. Mm-hmm. They will pay for uh, cremation. They will probably pay for the cost to return the cremated remains of you to your family. Yeah, because when they use your body, there eventually will be um, a cadaver there that is of no use to them, and then they'll cremate that and send you the remains. Right, um, and they're also usually pretty quick with it because with um, with a lot of the for profit companies, um, they basically cut you into the the various parts mm-hmm. and then ship those out and then they have the they do this fairly quickly yeah um and they take that leftover stuff and then bring your remains back to your family within a couple of weeks yeah with if you donate your body to say like a medical school the medical school is going to be like thank you this is very nice um we need you to pay for some stuff sure so transporting the body which is why um, a lot of people will donate to like their local medical medical school. Yeah, like Emory. Yeah. So like if you live in Atlanta and you donate your body to Emory, Emory will probably pay to come pick it up. Sure. But if you died in Alabama and you had plans to um, donate your body to Emory, 
yeah. your family might want to find a place in Alabama because Emory's going to accept your body, but they're not going to pay to get it to Atlanta. Right. I don't think that medical school's in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alabama. So mean. And like, we're in Georgia. It's like, <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. We're just so high on the hog. I know, but Georgians are always like, well, we're not Mississippi and Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> not funny. Not fair. It's a little funny. I like Alabama. So that is that is definitely a pro of a for-profit company. Is yeah. Like the costs associated with this donation are low to non-existent. That's right. Um, where so wherever your body goes, there's going to be some lots of paperwork to fill out. Your family's going to see your body off at the funeral home. Maybe the funeral home <laughs> is going to hopefully is going to put it uh, put your body into a a casket. It's going to get on an airplane or it's going to go down the road to Emory or whatever, and then. Um, you will have no say whatsoever in what happens to it after that point. Is that always true? Yeah, pretty much, yes. I figured there were some companies that allowed you some control. I don't think so. I think that there are um, – I, I have heard that you can opt to not be used for cosmetic surgery. Yeah. Uh, but I don't. I didn't see that anywhere in research. Interesting. Um, one thing that uh, some – uh, organizations allow you to do is to also be an organ donor, but generally they want your whole body with all its organs. Yeah. Intact. Right. But, uh, some will allow again because it's not, you know, one single body. No pun intended. Uh, some will allow you to donate your organs, some organs first. And I only saw one that does that, um, which I, I thought was great. I didn't realize that you could do that. But be, the reason why they want all of your organs intact is because you're serving as a teaching tool for medical students who need to cut yeah. into these things. If you donate it to a medical school. Right. Yeah. Um, so, the, oh, that was another thing, too. If you donate it to, say, like a medical school, yeah. you'll get your cremated remains back usually as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be, well, it'll be well over a year because they, they're going to use you for that year of medical school. Yeah, and y'all, you know, you're going to want to get right and your family get right with your ceremonies and how that's handled because <clears throat> you either won't have your cremains or it might take a little while. Mm-hmm. So just wrap your head around the fact that you're just going to have a uh, memorial service for your loved one that may not include remains. Yeah. Um and you know, some people still don't like that idea of like like they they want a body there. Some people still need that closure sure. of seeing the the the, the dead body. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful. But the the problem is is that it that is not going to happen if you donate your body. No, because you can't be donated embalmed. No. So you are shipped fresh, freshly dead. Yeah, it has to happen within a couple of days. Yeah, very quickly. And in fact, grave robbers when that was at its height, um, people at some point in some graveyards used to. Their family would guard the body for three or four days. And, oh, yeah. Until they figured it was, you know, too late. Right. You know? Yeah, I think I remember hearing that. Man. Crazy, huh? It really is. Um, so the the point is the first step to all this is to tell your family and then get it down on paper, either in an advanced directive, a will, something like that, and then start looking around. Yeah, and uh, since a lot of these organizations will pay for the remains and all that like hopefully financial it's not a a purely financial consideration but you can save a lot of money by donating your body to science because funerals and 
stuff like that is really expensive. That's right, Chuck. And actually, that is um, there's a post on GetRichSlowly.com about donating your body to science to save money. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. And um, I mean, it's it's a totally legitimate thing. The thing is, is um, you want to have a backup just in case your body is not accepted. You don't want to bet on the idea that you don't have to save anything for funeral costs because you're donating your body to science. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like funerals cost several thousand dollars. Apparently, according to this article, it was about a little under 8,500 bucks in 2012. And that's the average. Yeah. Um, and then cremation is 1,500 and up to six grand for a, um, a cremation with funeral service and all the bells and whistles, unless you bring your own coffee can. Right. And save money that way. Big Lebowski reference. Very nice. <laughs> so you can save all this money, especially if you go with a for-profit company um, and just give it to your heirs instead. Yeah. You know? Uh, what else? Well, there are some... I think we talked about the cons, right? Yeah. Maybe um, they have a section in here about creative ways to donate your body. Um, there are other things you can do. Yeah. You can do, donate your body to be used as a crash test dummy. Well, here's the thing. I don't think you really necessarily have say over that. Like, I think when you donate your body, you're donating it to potentially all this stuff in the U.S. I think you can donate it. Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't look it up. I thought you could donate it directly to the NHTSA. I I don't know. Maybe so. Or you could like move to Michigan and, and make it that much more likely that it'll be used by them. That's a good point. But they have they do use bodies as crash test dummies. Yeah, they still do. Um, there was a great uh, there was a Wired article that was really good, and then I saw another one called "The Driving Dead: Human Cadavers Still Used in Car Crash Testing." Yeah, there's a place called the Laboratory of Technology and Systems for Safety in Automobiles. Is that at Wayne State? Tessa. No, it's in Spain. Okay. Uh, in northern Spain, and it's one of six places in the world where they still use human body crash tests, cadavers for crash tests. Yeah. And uh, it's been happening for a long time, and the car companies have distanced themselves from it. They don't directly do it, but what they do is they get the data from these places that do it. Right. Because like, so, they don't want to be directly tied to it. No. But Ford, very famously, in 2011, I guess, was testing an inflatable rear seatbelt. So I guess they said, um, here's our rear seatbelt. Why don't you see what happened, you know, with cadavers? Yeah. And the National Highway um, Safety Traffic Safety Administration says, oh, we, we know what you mean. And so they get their hands on some cadavers, and they wrap them up in body stockings. Yep. And cover their faces. Did you see the pictures of that? Yeah. Um, and uh, they run them through the rigors and then do autopsies afterwards to see what happened to the body after it was, you know, in this crash. Well, and, you know, there's lots of advantages, obviously. You can, even though biomechanics and crash test dummies now are, like, way better than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing beats a body. Nothing beats a body. You know, you can't tell what's really going to happen to your internal organs. Um, it's also imperfect because... There are no two cadavers that are the same, so it's not going to be consistent. Yeah. Uh, also, cadavers uh, are usually older and more fragile. Um, and also, young cadavers are hard to come by because the highest rate of death among young people are car crashes. Oh, wow. How so, ironic. Yeah, and a strange twist there. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to get young cadavers for that research. Wow. But um, there's a guy in the 1930s named Lawrence Patrick 
from Wayne State University. I think you were talking about him. Mm-hmm. And he was somewhat of a, uh, who was the guy, the uh, crash test pilot? Stapp? Yeah, Colonel Stapp. He was sort of like him. He was his own test dummy mm-hmm. and would just, you know, throw himself downstairs and do all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and uh, he even flung a cadaver down a university elevator shaft to test the strength of a human skull. Yeah. At one point. And found, like, oh, it can hold up. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. So he was, uh, I think, led the charge at Wayne State, and they still do work there with cadavers and highway safety, don't they? It's well, Yeah, and it's so funny to me that this is, like, scandalous. Uh, apparently some leak at GM started, like, talking to the media about how Saab was running tests using dead bodies. It's like, wh- I, that's a great use of a dead body yeah. to, like, save other people's lives. There's this article from a guy at Wayne State who wrote in 1995 that cadavers save about 8,500 lives annually. Yeah. Thanks to serving as crash test dummies. Yeah. Um, NASA actually used some as well um, to test the Orion capsule because it just isn't the same thing as using a robot or something like that. And they certainly don't want to put humans in there first. No. Live humans, at least. That's so the they use step. cadavers. <laughs> I don't understand why this is at all scandalous. Again... I think donating your body is a fantastic thing to do. I think it could get scandalous in the, uh, which was what we're about to talk about here with the bodies exhibits is how these, uh, cadavers are sourced. Oh, uh, that's where it gets scandalous. Lay it on me, buddy. Uh, well, that was one of the other creative things you can do if you want to donate your body to be in one of those body exhibits. Uh, there are two main ones that I saw. Um, body worlds. And bodies, the exhibit, the exhibit. I can't remember which one. The exhibition. Sorry. I think you mean I saw that one. Have you seen it? The one that's the one in Atlanta. It's based out of Atlanta, actually. It's, it's astounding. It is astounding, but they have been dogged by criticism because one group says that straight up. I think bodies, the exhibition, straight up says these are probably criminals from China, and we're going to be straight up and say they're unclaimed bodies. Uh, the other one is body worlds. Um, and that's been in the U.S. since 2004. And apparently they have death certificates, but the paper trail is, cuts off at a certain point. Oh, yeah? And they say it's with respect uh, to anonymity, but certain people have called them out and said, you know what, you, you should have a paper trail. Like, you can't unequivocally say that these cadavers are all on the up and up, can they? Wow. And um, they say they can. But they've come under a lot of fire, and those exhibits have in general uh, because of where they get these bodies from. Well, now I feel dirty for having seen that. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, like, it's disrespectful to the dead. Well, in 2008, uh, in New York, the Attorney General Force Premier, which was the company behind, I think, Body Worlds, put a disclaimer that said, This exhibit displays human remains of Chinese citizens or residents, uh, which were originally received by the Chinese Bureau of Police. The Chinese Bureau of Police may receive bodies from Chinese prisons. Premier cannot independently verify that the human remains you're viewing are not those of persons who are incarcerated in Chinese prisons. Uh, yeah, so well, they forced them to put that up at pretty, least. Pretty out there. They're putting it out there. They probably had that sign after you pay your <laughs> money to go in. <laughs> that is so nuts. I doubt if it's by the, right beside the ticket booth. But apparently you can donate your body, although... I don't know that you can, because it sounds like they're not sourcing from, you know, 
donating from the United States. Yeah, I saw somewhere that they have a list of like 12,000 living donors just waiting to donate their bodies. Really? Yeah. uh, uh, Who knows what's real or true anymore? Who knows? Uh, The other thing you can do is what we talked about in our awesome classic episode on body farms. Uh, If you want to help out forensic study, Mm -hmm. you can donate your body to the University of Tennessee, go Vols, and you can be thrown out in the woods to decompose. That's right. Did you say go Vols, really? I have to keep it consistent. That's cool, man. Yeah, the body farm episode was great. I think the only thing I can't say is go G-A-T-O-R-S. Which is funny because... I can't even say those two um, words together. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame you. But my family's from Tennessee, so I can root for most SEC teams except for the one in Florida. None of it matters anyway. Um, Did you hear about the woman in New York whose body was accidentally donated for medical science? No. And her family was like... What'd you do with grandma? And the New York medical examiner went, oh. Said, we planted a tree in her honor. (laughs) Right. Which apparently is what some medical schools will do. They said, here's some money. We're really sorry. That was apparently very traumatic for the family. I imagine. They said that, that, yeah. Yeah. See, I'm not precious about uh, after I'm dead. I'm not precious about the... This lump of cells yeah. and skin that remains. That, to I me, that totally means agree. nothing to me. I'm totally with you, man. I totally agree. Yeah. To me, the only thing is somebody profiting off of a donation by anybody else. What, No matter what it is, whether it's a body part or uh, money, whatever, it's that's wrong. Yeah, respect my, my spirit and who I was, not this dead carcass <laughs> on the table. Yeah, just That's not me it. anymore, you know? That's right. I've, I'm gone, buddy. I'm up there with with uh, the highwaymen. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm flying a starship. Man, what else you got? Uh, skeleton. The University of uh, New Mexico in Albuquerque. I didn't look up their mascot, but you said none of it matters anyway. So, <laughs> uh, I think they're the Lobos. Lobos? I think so. Uh, they have a skeleton collection, uh, even though they aren't on display. No, and apparently the um, body farm in Tennessee, and that's uh, we should say not the only body farm, there's several, um, but the one in Tennessee will put you in their skeleton collection afterward as well. Nice. Too. You, can be, you can be very useful there. Maybe I would like to be, we have a skeleton here at the How Stuff Works offices. <laughs> I'd like to be put alongside him. Did you ever hear about the, uh, the skeleton of the outlaw? I don't remember his name, but he was like a real live, one of the last Wild West outlaws um, in the early 20th century. And his body was put on display by the coroner and he charged people a nickel to come look. And Sounds familiar. From that, he, uh, he ended up never being buried. And he ended up in like a, a like one of those um, House of Horrors that like one of the rides, Spook Ride or whatever they call them, Dark Rides. Oh, I've definitely heard about that. And um, it turned out that somebody like was cleaning him or something once decades later and like broke his hand off and realized like that's a bone in that's there. Real. Yeah. This isn't a wax dummy. Uh-huh. And they figured out, somebody figured out who it was, that it was this old criminal who was never buried and ended up in a, a real carnival ride. Yeah. I remember hearing about that. That's crazy. Yep. You got anything else? I got nothing else. You could be turned into collagen to be used for facelifts. Ugh. See? 
I don't want to chase anybody away from this. I just think like I want everybody to flood the market with donated bodies so much so that like the price comes down and anybody who's in it to like who's a body part pirate gets out of the business because it's not lucrative anymore. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> uh, since Chuck doesn't have anything more and I don't either, if you want to learn more about donating your body to science, a very virtuous thing to do, you can type those words into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said virtuous, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this Underwater Towns. Uh, hey, guys, and uh, you mentioned of an uh, underwater town near you, and you caught my attention in how droughts work. I'm originally from the Catskills in New York, where my family lived for a few generations, and I still live there in the summer. The Roundout, Rondout? I'm not sure. It's Rondout Reservoir. Uh, it's always fascinated me, because when you drive around it, it takes a little time, and you pass signs that read, former site of Eureka, former site of Montella, former site of Wackawack. After World War II, with the huge influx of GIs into New York City and Long Island, uh, more water was needed, and the three towns were condemned and flooded to create the reservoir. Uh, a few years ago, my grandfather passed away, and I became interested in creating a family archive. One of the many interesting things among my grandparents' photos, papers, and other items is the postcard that I sent to you. Uh, picture, that is. Uh, it's not signed, but according to my grandma, it was written by the postal employee of the town in the last days of Eureka. It mentions on the back that he's sending it in part because he thinks of my great-grandfather Bruce might want a photo of the mill that his father built. Uh, the Rondout is a water supply for New York City, so I wouldn't expect any Gulf Globes to start breaking the surface if the water got low, but who knows? I have no idea who's down there. Pretty interesting story. Here's the postcard. Uh, I also think it's interesting that at the time, apparently, only a name and town was required to send a postcard. And that is from Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, and it was pretty neat. And I just uh, think underwater towns are its kind of sad and kind of cool all at the same time. And creepy. As long as you get people out of there. Well, yeah. Well, the Usually town. they warn the residents first. Well, I know, but you know how people are. They don't mm-hmm. want to leave their homes. Oh, well, whatever. They were warned. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch with Chuck or me or whoever... You can tweet to SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 